to find out that my grandfather, which I never knew, was a baker. And then my mom, a cook and a, a chef. and a. But, you know, she said something to me that truly blessed me one day in her lucid moment. She said, I used to, uh, when I would do catering, because I was always here doing it and uh, taking it, you know, um, elsewhere. Uh, she said, I used to do this for free, but you're doing it and you're getting paid for it. And it was just like, you know, that it's like a progression from one generation to the next. So now in mine, I have to make sure that I leave a brick and mortar for yes. my daughter and grandkids. Right. And that's my goal. That, that's where I am. The brick and mortar is so important because then it's yours. You know, so that's my ultimate, one of my ultimate goal is to have that. But for her to say she used to just cook for for people, but I'm doing it as a business. So that, that truly blessed me. From City Spoon, this is Fired Up, a show that highlights the best chefs, restaurateurs, eateries, and everything in between that Chicago has to offer. I'm Dapper Kalawale, and on the show today, we bring to you the story of how Mitzi Coca founded M Catering in Chicago while attending the Joseph Business School, and how, at a young age, left Haiti with her family for Chicago and navigated her way to bring an authentic Asian cuisine to us. Let's get fired up. Chicago may not have a little Asian neighborhood like the one in Miami. But Chicago has a unique connection to Haiti. Chicago's first non-Indian settler was Jean-Baptiste Pointe de Sable, a black man who was born in Haiti. He settled along the northern bank of the Chicago River, near Lake Michigan, where he built a successful trading post and farm. As Asians migrated to Chicago, they brought with them cooking traditions and practices from Haiti. The Asian cuisine is a Creole cuisine that originates from a blend of several culinary styles that populated the western portion of the islands of Hispaniola, namely the African, French, indigenous Taino, Spanish, and Arab influence. And this brings us to today's story, a story for the search for a better future passed down from generation to generation. When Mitzi Coca launched M Catering after graduating from the Joseph Business School in Forest Park, Illinois, she set her mind to do just that. But her story didn't start there. During the unrest in Haiti, Mitzi's parents moved the family to the U.S. when Mitzi and her siblings were young, and they settled in Chicago. As with most immigrant parents, they wanted her to pursue a stable, safe, and prestigious career. So Mitzi, as you would hear, became a chemist, which of course didn't last long. I was nine when we moved uh, to Chicago. Growing up in Haiti, you know, as and I'm the youngest of seven. So, and my mother, uh, the house that we have now, I was the only one from birth that grew up in that house. So, the street is named after my father, Ashil, A C H I L L E. So, if you go to uh, Haiti, it's a very popular name. I don't know if you've heard of Tontomaku. Way back, you uh, read the story way back. Uh, they were not good people. So I had um, an uncle who was in it, but my father was never in it. So he was the first one to build a house 
in that street. So, so the street is named after him. Even after the hurricane, it was bent. I remember when I went there and then came back, it was straight. And it was so they know about his name. So we do have a street in Haiti named after us. So, uh, like I said, I was uh, the youngest of seven. We went to private school. So we were upper middle class. We had maids and all this and all that. So we were raised Catholic. And I remember Sunday after church, we would go to this place. There's this delicacy called pate. It's almost like um, uh, the hay, the beef, Jamaican beef patty, but it's a flaky crust. And to this day, I can still taste it. Wow. And I and in my mind, that's the one thing about uh, it when God call you for something, it's like, I can still taste that pate. And it's like, if I can recreate that, I would be a happy camper. So I remember food very well. <laughs> and, I, and I remember rolling in the grass and just, it smells so sweet, you know, just little memories you have. Granted, it was really bad. Uh, but being young, you feel like you were sheltered from all the craziness going on. So what happened a year before we moved to Haiti, my mother was a nurse. She went to Haiti under a visa with, uh, with her godmother. So for a whole year, my mother was there trying to get the visa, trying to get the paperwork to send us. So for a whole year, uh, we didn't have our mom with us. And some crazy stuff happened. That's another story. But uh, when we left, you know the story, when you see a movie and you see a family walking and uh, uh, guards will come and arrest them, the whole time we were, because uh, my father had to pay people so we could get on the plane. That's how bad it was. So the whole time he was praying with his kids, five kids, and him going on the plane, and we made it, praise God. So um, that's how bad it was. Wow. No, we're not people. You know, uh, I take it very, when all that stuff was happening with the boat people and all that, and just immigration and I, we don't get along very well. So that's another another story. So we made it to to Chicago. And my first uh, memory of Chicago was the stairs. I was fascinated with stairs and snow because we didn't have snow. And then we didn't have stairs in in Haiti, you know, because it was like one level. But now one of my brothers went back and uh, one day I'll have to show you what he did. But it's a business now. And like I said, it has uh, transgressed, not transgressed, but trans uh, transformed into something else. So snow, I remember that. It was just fascinating. But with me being the youngest, I was very privileged. You know, my elder brothers, they went straight to high school. Okay, can you imagine being yep. black going to <laughs> high school and you can't speak the language? So they had a really hard time. With me, I think one of the reasons why I always laugh a lot, I remember one day I was doing a report. I went to St. Killian um, School, right there, Catholic school. It's like walking distance from uh, the house. And I said, I forgot what word I said. I have a hard time with use and and I pronounce it really weird and everybody laugh. And guess what I did? I laughed with them. So that's where I get the laughing part. It's a defense gotcha. mechanism. So I get that. 
So moving forward, um, we're still in this house here. My sister bought the house that we grew up in. My mother was a nurse. And she would come home 16 hours cooking. She would cook with her uniform on. So I would always watch that being the youngest, you know, I, you know, I, I one of the advantages of being the youngest, you watch your siblings do stuff and then you're like, oh, I'm not doing this. So I, like I said, I was very privileged, but then there comes a cost with that. So uh, I would watch my mom and I'm like, you know, just watching. And one day, I think the first dessert I made was a German chocolate cake. And it was just like my eyes just opened up. But the first meal I made was around Thanksgiving. It was a turkey. And guess what I forgot? I forgot all the inserts. (laughs) 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 Never again. Now I know. (laughs) But the reason why I, I, you know, uh, baking is an art. It's a science. Cooking, you could follow it, and it's basically the same every time, personally to me. That's how I look. But baking, depending on the temperature, depending on how you mix stuff, it's a science. And sometimes I remember once for uh, my sister's second wedding, uh, I made this one, two, three, four cake, and it was like, if I could do that again. <laughs> Easy cake, but it was just like even uh some of my uh mom's friends from uh she's a baker, she it was phenomenal. I'm still trying to recreate that. That's one of my my goals. So um so baking, my mother was always baking as Haitians. I don't know if Nigerians do that, but we're always having some kind of function around. So I grew up with food around me. So I found out later on when we were taking care of our mom that she said that her father was a baker. And I'm like, well, there it goes. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's where it came. So, but I, growing up, uh, I went to, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've ever told you, I have a BS in chemistry. So the reason oh. why, yeah, I wanted to, uh, because I was youngest, the youngest. Remember when we talked about my parent, my father wanted me to be a doctor because they, you know, they see the potential in you. But deep down, I wanted to go to culinary school. So one of my brothers was a chemist. So when I went to DePaul, now first it was a Spanish interpreter. When I was in high school, language was easy for me, probably because, you know, English is our second language. But then when I got to DePaul University and I'm like, oh, now. So I was like really confused. And since one of my brothers was a chemist, I said, okay. (laughs) Barely. I, yeah. I don't think I made it. It was what was it? Somebody said 1.7. So <laughs> so I did the the walking down, but I really didn't get my degree till years later. So I really, you know, but I took it and you know, I work hard. There was uh I forgot which class it was. I think it was a physics class. And you know, when I put my Self, you know, when I work at it, I will succeed. So I really pushed myself and I did. But like I said, 
I didn't get the actual degree. I just went through the motion. Parents were all happy and all that. It wasn't until I was, my daughter was in eighth grade, I decided to go back and they gave me life lessons and I took a psychology class. And so I'm legit. <laughs> so, but, you know, I try to get a job and it just wouldn't fit. So what, so I did just a job, anything you could find. Somehow I ended up in investment. You know, and I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, you're still cooking, you're still baking, you know, because, you know, your parents look at it, you can't make money out of this, you know, you need to do because you're too smart, you know, you're the youngest, you have potential, you should do something that will make money. But so you you have a job, you you go to school, you have your own place. So I moved to Boston. And Boston, of all places. Boston? Why Boston? I wanted to get out of Chicago by the time I was 30. You know, being the youngest, you could do a lot of stuff and get away because you don't have anybody looking behind you. So you're it. So I didn't know anybody. I looked at a map of the United States. I said, okay, Mitzi, where do you... Then I was living um, on the uh, north side of Chicago. I was not saved. We'll leave it at that. And so I wanted something. So by the time I was 30, I said, okay, where do you want to live? I had some money saved up with my 401k, you know, working at, I forgot the investment company um, downtown. So I worked downtown. I felt like the buildings were just like, ah, I need to get away. So I didn't want Seattle because it was raining. So I said, let me go to Boston. Didn't know anybody. So I went there. I, I So you could see I have that in me, that entrepreneurial yeah. thing yeah. to just yeah. be a pioneer and just yeah. go and do something. So I did that and I took some cooking classes. I was still working in some investment stuff doing God knows what. And, if you know, just taking some cooking classes on the side and just I was completely lost. My sister and I we went to St. Thomas, met Lloyd. Almost, it'll be 30 years in January. Wow. And we oh, have um, one child, a daughter. And so while doing that with me, it, when I'm when I focus on something, I give it my all. So while I was married and had a Jamie, she was like, husband, that was my ministry. I was just like making sure she had the great upbringing, you know, blah, blah, this. She was smart, went to Whitney Young High School, blah, blah, this, went to college, got a degree in theater. So, I, you know, because I knew. So you could see where that is because people say there's no money in theater, but that's what she loves. So I didn't fight her. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that creative side of her. So um, I just, and then once she graduated from uh, high school, I got laid off from Whitney Young High School. I said, really, Dr. Kenner? So that was 2010. So that disruptive interruption. So I had no job. I was collecting unemployment. And all of a sudden, I'm looking out and say, what do you want to do? So cooking came. So I took the test to get my um, certification. And I just kept cooking and baking for people like at my sister's job just to do something, just to do something. That was 2010. And we were at Living Word then. 
And so my husband and I, because we're pastors and we had a church and it folded. And then he said, I said, where are we going? He said, Living Word. We went to Living Word and I did not want to be there. So being the wonderful wife that I am, we went and we submitted, went to school of ministry and did all that. Right. And then after that, you know, because they always say, OK, what do you want to do? And all of a sudden I keep seeing the thing about Joseph Business School. I had no intention whatsoever to do that. And then all of a sudden, I think it was the last um, open house. And I went in there and I'm telling you, Dean Dave looked at me the whole time. I'm serious. <laughs> I was like, why is this man keep looking at me? He looked at me the whole time I'm sitting there. And, you know, because you went through this nine month program and then to do another one. So God had me go to Living Word. And while I was in Living Word, we truly blessed when we were in school of ministry, went to Haiti eight times after the earthquake. I was truly blessed. We went there and one Sunday, Pastor had us come up to talk about uh, when we went to uh, the mission field. And I had the opportunity to publicly thank him and Dr. Veronica for listening to God about school of ministry. So anyways, so that's the connection. So I'm sitting there in uh, Joseph Business School. I'm like, how the heck did I get there? I have no idea. It was just, I love learning, as you could tell, right? And I was like, what am I doing? And this man's looking at me and I'm like, okay, I guess. Because <laughs> I had my food certification. That's the only thing I had. Going into JBS. And so I mean. Going into JBS and going going into JBS, that's all you had, right? The, okay. Yeah, that's all I had because when I was unemployed and you know I had to do something, I can't just sit and not do anything. I need to do something, you know. Gotcha. And that's why I could not an excuse, you know, with what happened to my mom. I could use that, and but you still grieve, but you still move on. Yep. So, uh, so I had to do something. So I'm in class and I'm like. And I remember when they asked you for the adjective about your name. Yeah. And I'm like going, and I swear the Holy Spirit gave me meticulous. I was like, I had to look it up. I said, what? You know, and then once I said, oh, my God, that is me, meticulous Mitzi. So that was my adjective. And I'm like, and I was sitting in the back of, uh, of the classroom. And when I said I have to say, um, when we did the breakout session, one of the girls, um, someone asked me, what's the difference between JBS and everything else? And I'm telling you, it's just having God in the midst of it that just totally changed your whole everything. So uh, while I was in there, it was just phenomenal. I, I, I was just, man. I didn't know all that was involved. It, it it just opened my eyes. I've never been to a business school. Like I said, I chemistry told well, same thing, but um totally different. It was just the knowledge, everything. And then I'll never forget Sister Vicky. That's why we have such a great relationship. When she taught the class, I was all the way in the back and she called me up front. And ever since then, we clicked. Nice. I mean, it was, just, it was, it, she's, 
I want to say out of every, all the uh, teachers that was there, her and I, we clicked. So, you know, Dean Davis, Dean Davis, serious man. Doo, doo, doo. But Vicky, she's very personable, very, uh, yeah, we just clicked ever since she called me up front and it was just that. And, you know, the, the, I think Wendy was one that really helped a lot, you know, with just, it would, you know, to me, it was above my head as far as the knowledge. I understand all the stuff that needs to the incorporation, why LLC and not this. So I chose LLC, uh, limited liability. So all this stuff I didn't know, but Joseph Business School really, really yeah. <laughs> got sent. It really was. And <laughs> The day we were supposed, I did uh, one um, of the presentation. The last one I couldn't because it was the weekend we were going to Haiti, right? Oh, were you doing School of Ministry and JBS at the same time? No, we went to missions was always in May. So I went on a mission trip around the time we had to do our last presentation. So the day before we graduated, guess what I had to do? downstairs in JBS, Dean, Dave, and I, I had to present to him. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. He wouldn't let you go. He's not going to let you just go. (laughs) If I could have turned red, I was, I think, you know what? I, it was favor, you know, (laughs) you know, you had to do your financial stuff and, that was not fun. <laughs> that was that Saturday, and we graduated that Sunday. He does not let you. It was him and I yeah. downstairs, and it was by the grace of God. And I think they, you know, they're very. Uh, there's grace. <laughs> yeah, plenty of it. <laughs> and they know you try hard. And did I say there's grace? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everything and all that. And I, I'm still freaking. It's been almost, and I, I, I can still feel the goosebump. Dean, Dave, and I, one on one. Yeah. So I, we, I, we always have that. So, but I tell you, and then once I did, it was. You know, um, you know, trying to get all your ducks in line and everything like that. And I think it came up to about a thousand dollars, all the stuff you had to do. And one thing that I like is I think about two years ago, uh, who is it that did that? The mayor. Um, it used to be three hundred dollars to have uh your license, but yeah, but now it's seventy five dollars. So that was a blessing. So, you know, I do that every December. So December 10th was when I first started. Uh, As a matter of fact, yeah, Uh, that's when I got uh, incorporated. Half half anniversary, that's two days ago, (laughs) yesterday, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that was, and then you had to get the, what else do you have to do? The, uh, The shared kitchen. I have to do that again. And then all this stuff, it came up to about a thousand dollars. You know, my prayer has always been, you know, I'm still using the hatchery, 
my prayer has always been to have my own. So every year you have to make sure you do that. And I'm telling you, city of Chicago does not play. When you go downtown, it's like a whole, I'm not looking forward to doing that again. It's like a whole day of getting this license. You got to get one for the shared use kitchen. You got to do this. And like I said, it comes to about $600 for that. And I think that $300 is for three years. So, but um, next year I am so excited. I told myself after my parents went home to be with the Lord, because I couldn't really focus on it because I was taking care of them. It's been eight years. Oh, I never told you. God is so funny. Uh, when I signed up for Joseph Business School was the year they came. Ah. I was already accepted. And then they came in October. And when did school start? October. October. I was like, so if <laughs> I had known that, guess what? I wouldn't have signed up for Joseph Business School. So it's, yeah, it's been eight years. Yeah. So it was October. They came the same year. So every Saturday after class, I will come and see them. So that was my, you yeah. know, until, you know, we did that. So, yeah, same year. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, 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 it's kind of interesting how how the whole plan, is, God doesn't reveal the whole plan to you because he knows if he did, we would start acting funny. <laughs> Just like I got laid off two years before my parents came so he yeah. could get me in the mindset of taking care of them because you don't know. And then yeah. all this. So <clears throat> I told myself after that, I have no excuses now except me being lazy. <laughs> And not wanting to. So when you launched Ignite, I was like, this is just for me, <laughs> you know? And so it's like the timing couldn't have been more perfect, you know? And, and I, I couldn't tell you that when you were talking about that. I was just listening to him going, oh, I'll have my chance to let him know because that's where I am right now. Uh, my license, and I don't want to take that test again. I've taken it three times the one to get the food and sanitation, it's up in April. And I want to have my first employee. I've been talking to my one of my nieces because she has her own business. She's young. So, so she could be, so I don't have to take that test. But uh, I want to be in production. I want to start having... Uh, I, I want to, uh, I didn't want to say, I don't want to say invent, but have a, a, a product out, do one of those Michelle Hoskins. That's why I, yeah. I was saying, and have a product out. So that's my goal it has always been my goal in the Haitian community. I'm known as the rice lady. I know I have this gift and yeah. with the Haitian community, nobody in Chicago and it has been bothering me because it's not out there for such a rich culture. And that's this dream that I have. And I'm like, I'm not stopping until it comes. I've seen how Michelle Hoskin with um, Annie and even with, uh, I forgot the Hispanic guy. You just can't stop because it's in you. It won't let you sleep. I don't know about you. It won't I, let you I, sleep. I get up at 4 a.m. every, almost every day. Even on Saturday, oh, I, I was up be- at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got stuff I got to do. <laughs> it won't. 
And, you know, I never knew I was until pastor said one day, I don't know when that it's a calling. And I had to really let it meditate. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been called to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, because it was what you just until you get this thing done. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, God, this is the year, you know? And I'm like, and then I found out, oh God, as of 2018, you have to have a license for food allergies. Back then I didn't have to take it. So I have so, to take so- it. So how, how many how many licenses do you do you need to have to you have to run? have that food and sanitation and it's a manager stuff it's all the stuff about you know the temperature of the food and now in 2018 when I took mine back in 20 I forgot when it's I could look at it because it uh, five years 2016 I think because it's up in 2021. But in 2018, you have to have a food allergen certification. So I got to take that. So I'm not looking for it. I paid for it already. So it's like trying to, I told myself I was going to do it. I started, but I didn't finish, you know, taking the, the information before you take the test. So that's another one you have to take. Um, I'm not selling liquor, so I don't have to worry about that. So it's really the food and sanitation and the food allergies, which makes sense. But like I said, back then we didn't have to, but as of 2018, so I have to take that. And of course you have to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your corporation has to be, help me out. What's the word I'm looking for? In good standing, thank you. In good you. standing, okay, okay. In good okay. standing. And how, 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 often, how, how often do you have to? Every year. Every, every year. year. So every Chicago's, year. Chicago's making a lot of. Uh, does not play. A lot of money. <laughs> and that's why you know. And then with uh, the hatchery, of course, there's a fee to to be a member. I'm trying to know because they just opened last year. Two years. Yeah, I've heard about that. I was I was going to actually nice. have you talk about this experience, the hatchery. I've heard about it. The hatchery is like, because when I was in, um, I'm say, in um, it was a business school, I could see a, a hatchery kind of stuff because they're so, you need that in Chicago instead of doing in your house to have an incubator. And then the hatchery can is man, that kitchen is is just nice. And I went to their open house and everything. It's it's nice, nice. right well, on the west side of Chicago, just okay. for me. <laughs> oh, it's on the west side, Kenzie and uh, Lake Street around that area. Nice. Not far from me. Yeah, the hatchery. It, it's a it's a godsend. But I have everything except that. I didn't know I had to take the allergen one. I'm like, Ugh. so I want to make sure all those things are lined up by uh, by January, so I could go there and start doing the production, as far as measuring. And then that's another thing too. Um, when you say, "Why do I like to uh, bake?" I like versus to cook, cooking. I love to bake because You're it's like- a science. No, I like to cook, but I love to bake. Yes. Baking is a science, hence the chemistry comes into play. Because in chemistry, you're always mixing stuff and trying to get the right stuff instead of blowing it up. So trying to get the perfect recipe and to make it is like, wow, the cake to do it 
you know, because um, one of my brothers, he's a chemist. So I was talking to him about, you know, doing the spices and all that. And he was saying it'll be I like the, the wet mixture that personally, that's my choice. But as far as marketing it, it's a lot harder because you have. Well, the Jamaican rub, is they have that. But I would love it to be more natural. So that will be hard. So it'll be easier to ship if it's a dry mix. So I have, actually, I'm going to come up with two. One for the rice, the seasoning for the rice. And that's going to be like, because, you know, as we put spice, we really don't measure. We taste it. So. Uh, yeah. My, mo- my, mo- my, mo- my mom is, 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 was, is was a chef. She was oh, a really? chef. And when she cooks, she'll call me over. I was the person. She'd be like, give me your hand. And she'll <laughs> taste it. I put it there and I'll taste it. And they're like, it's missing something. Or I'm like, I think it's there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be my challenging part to do that, but I'm up for the challenge. So that I would say that's my goal for the next year or two. Gotcha. I would like it to be next year because I'm I'm so uh what's the word I'm looking? Oh, what's the word I'm looking? Ambitious. <laughs> nice. And nice. you know you want uh my mom you were talking I think somebody was asking about branding hatchery and your uh a member, they have different classes and most of them are free. And I took one about branding. Uh, it's more than just your logo. It's yep. what you stand for. And my brand is Family Legacy. I didn't know that it's not just M catering. What does, when people look at, and oh, I never told you the story of the M, right? Well, I keep going. I have it on my list. I was going to go, like, we're going to hit on, we're going to hit on your business while you called it that, but yeah, please. Proceed. Okay. I really wanted to be 3M catering, but I couldn't do that because of 3M is uh, the tape. So I'm, I have a sister named Maggie, okay. Michelle, Mitzi. Oh, okay. 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 So 3M. So I couldn't do that. So technically it's really capital M, but most people say M catering. Later on, it will be capital M. Nice. Capital M catering. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then I found out that my mother's first name was Marie. Things you found out about your parents years, years later. Yeah. A common name. Uh, Jean's another one in Haiti in French. Marie is like a popular first name. But one day she said, everybody's name was Marie. So she said, I'm going to have them called by my middle name, Enid. So that's where that came from. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, sometimes you don't know what you name something and then you're like, your mom is part of it. And so that's where capital M came from. Our first name, of course, catering, you know that. But I just thought it's so funny. My, uh, my name is Mitzi Coker. So I that's just a little pun right there. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. meant to be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh what's the other? So that's why I came up with the name. Like I said, I really wanted 3M catering, but I couldn't do that for so it is um what's the word I'm looking for? Registered. So I guess nobody could use it. 
yeah, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, it's legit. That was the one thing that I wanted to do as far as uh, being Haitian caterer is to, because they do have, you know, under the table, you know, like people could go somewhere and buy food. I don't want to do that. If, you know, especially since I have uh, grandkids, you got to leave an, a daughter. You got to leave a legacy. Yeah. One day when um, I went to Haiti on the mission trip, you know, because I don't know if you've ever been, most places like that are basically the same because they have vendors all over and that's their livelihood. They get up every morning, 10 people, same corner, selling the same thing. And one day these pots cut my eyes. I said, whoa. You know, all the way from, from Haiti. So make a long story short, you know, those aluminum pots, I have three of them that when I went to Haiti, you know, with the help of some of the guys that would help us, I got three of them, big aluminum pans all the way from Haiti. So that's... You brought them here. Gotcha. And so my brother is supposed to go back next month. So I want the really big one and a small one. So I'll have five. So that's something that's dear, you know, yeah. all the way from Haiti. Yeah. So that's how you keep the legacy going. Yeah. You know, so I, I remember when I said being the youngest, you also have a big responsibility because you're it. Because <laughs> you had your time to do whatever yeah. now. When it comes to, okay, parents started something, they brought us here, and it, it's such an opportunity to actually be in the United States. You don't take it for granted, you know, for the opportunities given to you, and you're educated, and you had the opportunity to go back home. And I was helping another thing with the patient people for the yes. like. Your parents brought you here under extreme. Not everybody could do that way back then. That was in the 60s. Because I remember King dying around that time, but we were really young. So yeah. it's so. Yeah. And you, you said something about the Haitian community and you were like. Oh, yeah. Helping back home. Gotcha. It's like you want to help, but you don't want them to to be a hindrance. I do help back home and I want to, but because of COVID happening, everything had to be on pause. Yeah. So you do get, you do pay it forward. Yeah. So with my brother, the house that we have in Haiti, he started a business. Alcohol. <laughs> I don't know if you, <laughs> there's a root vegetable called malanga. It's almost like yucca. I don't, you probably have seen it. You probably call it something. But because he was a chemist, he could uh, extract. extract something from it. And okay. So that's what's happening over there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's gotcha. the other side of the coin. And then there's me. <laughs> so that's where we are right now. So it's still chemistry, but mine has to do with food. So I want to bring that. And it's like, I said, okay, God, you've given me this vision. You've given me this dream that won't let me sleep. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I just, until I do it. 
and you're going to have to show me. So that's where I am right now. And I know to bring the spices, you know, you've seen, cause you, I want it to be different, you know, cause there's so many spices out there, but this is such an awesome niche because it's, it's untapped. Yeah. It's yeah. untapped. I'm like, okay, God, show yeah. me. So that's where I am right now. And, but like I said, I have to do it. The law of the land, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then of course God is in the mix of it. So that's where I am right now. Right now. That's right where now. I'm. Awesome. Can you speak to the, to the Haitian community in Chicago? What does that, you know, is it, yes. what does it look like? Is it, um, is it is it a younger demographic? Is it an older demographic? Is it in between? Um, are are they where are they? Lo- are they okay? They're located are they- more. Um, they're oh, you're gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> We're so segregated. It's not even funny. The majority of them live on the southeast side, like around commercial, because there's this market called La Fruteria. You would love that. Where do you live, anyways? I live in Frankfurt, so I'm southwest of Chicago. I'm by Orland Park. Oh, Park. you are far. There's this place called La Fruteria. It's okay. African Caribbean market, the only one that they have. Anything you want from your hometown, that's where you go. That's where so you go. most of them are around that area, okay. you know, segregated. And it's usually an older, like my parents' generation and a little younger. And a lot of the culture has, I want to say, they didn't leave a legacy. So the younger generation, the majority of them grew up in Chicago. So they're more Americanized. They've assimilated a little bit too much. Uh, And then some, and then you have some, they still speak French. I lost French a little bit, but if I were in, in, in France, I probably would pick it up. So we grew up speaking French in Creole. So we still speak Creole, but French, eh, not so much because I was so young. But my other siblings, they do speak French. So the community is like, that's the majority of them. And then you have the Evanston. The bourgeoisie. <laughs> okay, there was one. And what happened with with us? We don't we keep it to ourselves. We don't share it to the next generation, and so on. So, growing up, we used to have somebody used to make Haitian cake out of this world. I don't know who it was, but they didn't pass it on, and that has been lost completely. Yeah, Nobody yeah. could do it. I've tried and it's getting there. But like I said, if you if I make it, I'll eat it. I don't need to make cakes. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> so that's the one thing that I want to change is because we don't carry it to the next generation. Gotcha. So, so with me, since I know how to do the best rice in the world, my daughter is getting there because she's married and and she's getting there. But not quite like mama, but she's getting there. I, I got I gotta taste your your because 
Nigerians, they make jollof rice. I don't know yeah. if they had jollof rice. I don't know if it's similar, it. different or something, but it's I got a taste. Different. It's not as busy as that. We don't put meat in ours. I don't think you have meat. No, it's, it's, it's red and it's... Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it tastes good though. It's different. But ours, is, it, it's... When we make our rice, it's just rice and beans. And, and the key with Haitian food, it's all about the sauce. You can't have rice without the sauce. That's gotcha. unheard Yeah, same thing in Nigeria. Same oh, thing really? in Nigeria. Yeah, you gotta where you if you cook just white rice, you know, there's the we call it the stew. You gotta put the stew on it. Mm-hmm. And the stew, you know, I I watched my mom. So when I moved to, when I moved from Nigeria Nigeria back to Canada in, in 1991, I I, I I lived by myself and I was like, look, I remember when my mom had to make stew mm-hmm. and she would, she would, she would put the tomatoes, the uh, habanero peppers, the sweet peppers, the onions, she would put everything in a the pot. Then she would give it to me because we didn't have a blender, but there is a, pl- a person down the street that has a blend, a big blend, like a commercial blender. So you pay them and they'll blend everything for you. Then you take it back. So I knew what to buy. So when I back, came back to, down to Toronto and I was craving for stew, I was like, I need tomatoes, I need habaneros, I need sweet peppers, I need onions, and I need oil. So <laughs> I bought everything. I bought a blender. I blended it together. I poured the oil into the pot, let the oil heat up to the right temperature, pour everything in, then it kind of fries it. Then I... Um, cooked the meat, the chicken, uh-huh. and everything separately. Then poured yeah. the stock of the the stock from uh-huh. the cooking into the into the stew, and then poured the meat in there, mixed together. And all of a sudden, my close friends started visiting me every weekend because they're like, <laughs> "He's the guy who's got the stew going." <laughs> I know. We have uh, this one dish. You know, rice and beans I love, but I like when you say white rice, we have like, it's almost like a bean soup you put on top of the white rice. We call it sauce quoi. Sauce It's my, I'm telling you, it's okay. like heaven. But it, and you know, the, the key to introducing an ethnic food to a, a non-ethnic community is very tricky because it's yeah. all about presentation because I grew up in Chicago so I've been to five-star restaurants I've been to places where you're like you know the ambience is great but the food is lousy yep. I want the ambience to be great and the food to be great you know that's my that's where I am right now so I ne- I've never wanted a restaurant I'm too young for that that's a lot that's a lot of work but the the choice to have the catering certain times and to market you know stuff like that that's where I am right now you know but eventually you know, when this craziness, as a matter of fact, I had an order for Christmas. My sous chef, my sister said no. <laughs> so I said, sorry. <laughs> it's uh, a preferred customer, repeat customer. 
Patrick, a patient guy, you know, he wanted me to cook for a thing up for Christmas for the family. I've done that before, but I'm like, oh, my sous chef said, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so I do miss it. What I've been doing since this COVID thing, the last time I did one was in January and it was uh, a repass. And after that, um, I remember when Dr. Dolores came on and she was saying something before before COVID, uh, there was a shelter on the west side of Chicago that I've always wanted to cook for. Because it's like you want to give back, you know, because you love to cook. You just want to do it because it's in me. So uh, I've cooked for them. As a matter of fact, next Saturday, I'll be cooking for them. So I'll be I've been cooking at the shelter, I mean, like four times. So I, I think after Dr. Dolores came and she said something like that, I said, well, let me, you know, I had to go back and get the paperwork and stuff like that. And then they said, oh yeah, you could do it. And I said, okay. So I've been doing that and great reviews and stuff like that. So like I said, next, so that's what I've been doing during this time, paying it forward. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. so, awesome. you know, but that's- you got to keep doing something because you can't just sit there and go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you gotta, yeah, right. you gotta do something. So that's what I've been doing once a month. Nice, you know? nice. yeah. You're 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 dead on when you say you can't just sit down and not do anything because the gift inside of you will wake you up. The gift inside of you would say, you know, have you done this? You know, like yesterday. Even I did. I, like I was working on one of my ideas last <laughs> night, and this morning when my wife came downstairs, I was like. I was walking her through the process. I'm like, do you think this makes sense? And by just having that conversation with her, I was able to modify the approach. I was like, ah, okay, thank you. You know, even though I'm working on other stuff, I'm constantly thinking, you know, mm-hmm. but I have other responsibilities as well. I have to make sure that I'm spending time with both of them, you know, when mm-hmm. she needs yeah, me or he needs me, um, I'm doing that as well. But um, yeah, you can't, you have to continue working on it. Because the breakthrough, we know the breakthrough is coming. The question is when, Mm -hmm. and you want to be, you want to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. You don't want, like Dr. Winston said, you don't want the opportunity to pass you by because the person was not working on that gifting that they had, you know? So, um, yeah, it's. um, I I remember one day I was watching a Christmas movie or Hallmark movie and she was a, a baker. She said, oh, I was up all night doing this. I'm like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Even the movies are talking to you. <laughs> I, I, yesterday, I don't like to cook and bake at the same time. And yesterday I had to do that. It's not my favorite, but I it, because then you're divided. Food. But, mm. So... <laughs> So today is just baking, but it was just like, and you have to be prepared. It's like I had two separate dough ready to just cut out and bake instead of mixing it. So time management, I think Dr. Winston talked about that too. Time and, And we had a class in that time management is you can't be an entrepreneur and don't use your time wisely. It's just, you can't. Yeah. You have to plan, you have to do that. And I find out 
it's like other people wanted to come and and you know do the cookies with me. I said, I can't wait for people. You have to make sure you're <laughs> I'll be here for next year. No, I have things to do. But time management, you can't, but but I think when he said, I'll never forget when he said an entrepreneur is a calling. Mm. That every time I think about that, I'm like, I've been called to be, and not everybody could do it. That's the key right there. Yeah. So that's where, when I said being the youngest, you also have this because I was watching, I was watching, didn't know it was in me. I was watching my mom doing all this. I'm watching siblings doing them. No, I'm not doing this. And then all of a sudden it's your turn. Like, whoa, he's been preparing me all this. Yes. Yes. And so now, okay. This is the set time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I could do all things. Oh, what was my scripture? Uh, look, look, look. Yeah, I could do all. No, that wasn't it. Uh, yeah, I could do all things for Christ. Something like that. Yeah. What do you think the culinary scene will look like post-COVID in Chicago? Mm, that's a good one. I've been thinking about that. Because a lot of restaurants have either closed down or they've closed shop and said they're coming back next year. Like a lot, the industry has been hit hard. So, do you think it's going to be an opportunity for? I, I was talking to the last um, guest that we had. He was saying that if if your heart was never into what you were doing in the industry, then you know you probably won't make it through the, this this That's this true. year because. You know, you, you you probably went and took another job somewhere else that you're getting paid a lot of a lot of money and you're like, why go back to all that headache? I can make money here. So what's your thoughts on that? What's your your um prediction? That's a it will change. I think more people will do takeouts than ever before. Uh, dining in will definitely change. They'll do more catering and takeouts than um, an actual restaurant for now. Maybe in a couple of years after the vaccine and stuff like that, they might. But next year, I don't. I see more takeouts and uh, even with catering. I could see that picking up a little bit more. But as far as the restaurant, I don't see that happening. Because the yeah, because it's kind of hard to uh, I don't see that happening. And <clears throat> yeah, I see more takeouts than anything else and catering. I think catering will pick up a little bit more because socializing but then again they have to be in groups of a lot of people huh yeah it's it's like yesterday i went out to i went to um noodles and company we ordered um some stuff from there and i was waiting for there were only three people allowed in the space and i saw them all making the food and everything and i saw one of the team members walk around and had the temperature gun on the people making the food, they were probably doing random checks to make sure that temperature hadn't changed since the last time they checked it. 
So as they were making the food and everything, this other lady had a, a board and a piece of paper in her hand and she was checking the temperature of her, of her team members. You know, because with COVID, you know, from what I hear, you know, one could be fine in the morning and it then yeah. is different in the afternoon. So I guess they're randomly checking their staff to yeah. make sure that their temperature hasn't changed. And even at my nine to five job, before I get into the building, I have to kind of, there's a tablet that kind of scans my temperature and tells me temperature is normal that I could get into the building. If it's not normal, it tells you to wait, you know? So even within the industry, they're already kind of doing that. But when you talk about guests coming back to the restaurants, do you think restaurants may require guests to be, to either self check themselves or they check them at the door before coming in? I would say, gosh, that's so, because I would say to check them at the door, because when I went for uh, rehab, they would do that. Even when you go to the hospital, I went to a beauty supply place. I had to get checked. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Oak Park. But uh, while you were talking, uh, cooking classes might pick up because um, that's another one of the things that I've always wanted to do is a cooking show. I, I see myself doing that. I don't know how, I don't know, but just, I think people would like that, you know, that with, with a little twist, because there's just so many out there, but I think like a cooking show, some people might like that, but you know, a lot of people probably want to stay home, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's just cook your own food. <laughs> No, but then you get so tired of it when when you don't like to cook and all that, and you know you go out. I think that's the best thing: take out, and then you just pray over your food that you don't get sick. But it doesn't transmit in food, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't because you cook. So, but no, I don't see that happening next year as far as dining. I'm going to say probably in 2022. Things will, I want to believe, I have faith things will go back to normal. But I think with the normal, people will be more cautious as far as hygiene, you know, washing of the hands and all that. I think it'll be because we don't want to go through that again. Yes, yes, yes. And I think next year people will still be wearing their masks, even if they're being vaccinated. I think for next year, it'll be like vaccination and still wear masks. Yeah. And then 2022, then we kind of relax a little bit. But as far as the restaurant, I mean, I haven't been to a restaurant in I don't know how long. I don't know if I want to. You know, yeah. I've taken food out drive through, but as far as sitting down and yeah, I don't know if I want to. Yeah. And that's something that I miss a lot. Nice. I am super excited about what you've discussed with us tonight, today. Um, yeah, legacy is very important. Uh, what your mom said about, you know, the same thing she was doing back then, you have now taken it to the next level and you're planning to take it to the next level for the next generation is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say I want to thank you for your, for your time. I, you know, I'm always inspired to talk to entrepreneurs who are in the restaurant business doing stuff, you know, and um, my prayer is that this time next year, we'll have more things to celebrate with your business. 
So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of time now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Chef Mitzi Coker, owner of M Catering. Thank you so much for listening to the show this month. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also write us at podcast at cityspoon.com or follow us on Instagram. That's at cityspoon. I'm Dapper Kalawali, and you've been listening to Fired Up by Cityspoon.